Hey, I'm Parker Lennon. And this is Chuck Stack. And you're listening to Fact Fitness. Use fitness as a goal for something we wanted to do, and it allowed us to do things like rock climbing and surfing and, and do it in a fun way. Things you should question yourself about before you compete. Everybody's different. And yeah. so if you think you're going to be just like that study, or you think you're going to fall directly into that category, you're probably wrong. I follow doctors and certain trainers that are PhDs and stuff so that I can get what they're doing their research on. High game is the relentless pursuit of meeting new people. <laughs> this is like killing a million little organisms at a time. I was in a really bad place, but what got me through was fitness, number one, and secondary was meditation and really good friends, of course. All right, if you're tuning in on Facebook, we're going to do a great topic today. This is especially good if you're having trouble making gains in the gym. This is for hard gainers. This is what I was. Um, and Chuck and I have both worked with a lot of clients that are hard gainers, and this is a really fun subject. I'm very stoked to talk about it because this is exactly how I had to go through things. And if it wasn't for Chuck's guidance and like doing a lot of the things that we are going to talk about here, um, I don't think that I would have put on as much muscle as I have. And um, just to give you a background, I was like about 165. I'm currently 195. I've been up to 205. Um, and this is everything we're going to describe here today is how I kind of did that. Yeah, uh, it was a uh, it was definitely a process. Um, you know that it, it did take a little bit of, of some of my advice, I would say. And, oh yeah. And I'll I'll take some credit there because I was just actually talking with a, a client of mine today about Parker um, and some of the things that he did follow that I I advised that really helped uh, accelerate his gains. So um, that's those are the things we're going to talk about today. It's it's basically uh, diet. We're going to talk a little bit about some supplements. We're going to talk about the macros you should be on, the types of training you should be doing, um, the difference in volume versus frequency, and some of the other things that we've touched base in other podcasts in a little more detail. But this is all going to be specific to ectomorphs or hard gainers. So those are people that are typically very hard to put body fat on but it's also that it's hard for them to put muscle mass on too so you know sometimes these people can can look um you know just skinny so to speak uh is, is a lot of the time the times the term that people use um when they when describing an ectomorph is like hey you're skinny or or you work out <laughs> and this is this is definitely and, my specialty now because i i get a lot of thin guys that are like, hey man, like how'd you put on your muscle and stuff? Because they've seen me before. Sure. Um, and I'm not the only one, you know, out of my crew of people that has done that. When we talked to Brandon, he was also a hard gainer. Right. And that's why he's like, yeah, I'm on the uh, chicken, broccoli, and rice diet because, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> much... and he's found what works out for him. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it might not be that way for you. Right. So those are the things that we're going to kind of talk about and we're going to get you started. So uh, starting off with diet. Um, the biggest thing that we hear a lot of times is just to eat more. You know, that's the biggest piece of advice that most people give to a hard gainer. Seafood diet. Yeah, exactly. And and that's kind of that you just see food, you eat it. And we this hear is this, exactly what Chuck told me to do too. Yeah, we hear this a lot in in other facets of training and such. But it, at the same time, you really have to be strategic in how you approach it, and not just necessarily yeah. eating everything and anything. And 
you hear it, hear it a lot in kind of a dirty bulk or a clean bulk. And that's dirty being referred to as eating foods that might not be nutritious or might not have a lot of nutritional value. But they definitely have the macros that are that are suitable for your goals. So this is basically calories versus good macros, um, and so you're you're looking at like McDonald's versus like a good chicken breast. Yeah, and and sometimes and rice. sometimes that's necessary, and that was actually one of my pieces of advice to Parker and to most of my ectomorphs that have a difficulty eating the amount of calories that's necessary to put on a little bit of weight is I'll tell them to go to their favorite fast food restaurant or their favorite restaurant and order a hamburger or two you know, yeah. and, and just try to eat as much as you possibly can and track your food and make sure that you're eating enough or what you're eating and and just take it from there because if you're not recording what you're taking in and you're not just trying to to push the limits a little bit, you're not going to have any gains. And and that's and in San Diego, this is what I call the burrito diet. Yeah. And if you're poor, it's the poverty diet. Uh, hashtag Alex Bigman. <laughs> okay, so um, sure. Car, yeah, clean versus clean versus dirty bulk. I have done both. I think you've done both too, right? Yes. Um, what would you say the biggest difference is? How you feel. Yeah, you feel like shit on the, <laughs> on the dirty bulk. Sure. And the seafood diet is great if you're eating good food, but it's terrible if you do the, the McDonald's and the, the fries and everything and the shake. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. A lot of times the dirty bulk is a little bit harder to control your macros with and such too. And we'll, You have a lot, of, a lot of insulin crashes too, I've noticed. Yeah, and, and that's something that as, a, as an athlete, we both are more familiar with how our bodies are functioning and such. And you can. You can notice when you have you know something that kind of bogs your body down and yep. makes you more tired or when you'll you be put, lethargic. Yeah, you'll be exactly. You'll be lethargic. You'll be um, you know just very lazy and in, in sense and just not be able to do or focus even sometimes uh, the I think same a good reference point would be like supersize me watch that documentary and you'll see he just gets like in this very lethargic mode you can tell he doesn't feel good but he's kind of addicted to the food sure and and that's a lot of times what happens to us you know and especially incorporating some of these foods and even with the if it fits your macros diet it can be tricky for some people because they can't psychologically handle the the foods, the, the food choices yep. or having those food choices in their diet. And we wanted to uh, actually point out too, when you're bulking, even if it's clean versus dirty, you're going to be uncomfortable. You're eating more calories than your body really wants to utilize because keep in mind, you're trying to put on muscle and your body metabolically probably is only wanted to take in like between two and 3,000 calories. Sure. <coughs> yeah. And most of the times people do, they, they don't realize how much calories their body burns naturally. And that's, that's the problem. That and that's 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 what we should kind of how we should uh, describe an ectomorph. Yeah. So so an ectomorph typically has a little bit higher metabolism. They mm -hmm. they burn a little bit more calories than your other body types. I, I like to look at them like a hummingbird. They're they're kind of. Like, <laughs> I'm a hummingbird. You're Thanks, a hummingbird dude. in a sense because, <laughs> and the the reason I say that is because you're constantly in search of kind of high sugar foods so that you can keep that energy going. That's spot and, on. And that is a spot on generalization for. For us, though, yeah, well, and that's the thing is that I th I feel like ectomorphs should have a higher carb con 
content concentration and you know i usually recommend between 45 or 55 percent of their intake being from carbohydrates specifically so and we're going to get into that with the uh, mass gainers here in a second what remember your theory you're talking about too you said and i i tend to i think i we could probably find some scientific evidence on this but you think that hard gainers in general don't utilize food as efficiently as somebody that holds on to food. Yeah, that was an interesting kind of theory that I came, or hypothesis that I came up to you with a few weeks back. Is mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? Hey, tell me how you feel about this. But the way I look at it is, I have to eat three thousand calories, and that's my maintenance level. You know, say you have to eat four thousand calories, and these are just random numbers, but you know, there is a thousand calorie difference. So my theory is, or my, my guess is that ectomorphs, people that need to eat a little more calories are less efficient in how they absorb or how they digest those calories. And it's, they're not taking in as many calories as say somebody that has a, a lower meta, like maintenance level intake. So it's, uh, it's either it's, it's, so it's either that or the energy level is so high sure. for some reason genetically yeah. yeah like it's it's just absorbing all those calories and you know it could be related to we're we're kind of in the 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 new light of microbiology as far as the stomach goes and gut health and it, it might have a lot to do with that i think once they kind of uncover what type of bacteria people have in their stomachs and start maybe looking into the generalizations of those body types that we've talked about, so you might find more. It's actually really funny that you talk about that because that is some of the leading research right now mm -hmm. that's out is they can actually take fecal transplants mm -hmm. uh, and put them into somebody that is maybe obese from somebody that's like an ectomorph and that person actually has a greater chance of weight loss and stuff just based off of incorporating a different microbiome into their stomach. So it's it's so cool that they're transferring poop yeah yeah it's <laughs> that's a, what a fecal transplant is in I, case you didn't gather that i was thinking um <laughs> should we really tell them what that is but no so we should it's yeah we should because basically what it is is it's either like a cold frozen pellet of <laughs> poop and they you basically ingest it in a pill form and it's released into your stomach and that in, introduces some different some healthier microbiota some organisms into your stomach so that you can potentially have the benefits from whatever that fecal transplant came from. So, so in the future, we could possibly be taking poop pills. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's actually uh, one of the, the, probably the best methods for that. So it's, it kind of <laughs> sounds really messed up, but it's, it's interesting where, where science goes. No, I'm really, uh, the whole, the, the research that you're talking about, I've been very interested in and I'd, I'd love to see where it goes. Um, in the future, I think it's a great direction for everything. Um, so moving back forward through this, um, we're kind of into the supplements now, and this is like the most common question that we get with hard gainers, and, and a common question in our inboxes too is, what supplements do you take? Because a hard gainer is like they latch onto this little five percent gain that they can get because they want every little gain along the way. Sure, and and they think that sometimes supplementation is the key or the missing key, component. Key is think. Yeah, and and that's uh that's a hard concept to grasp for a lot of people is that, you know, if your nutrition's on point, you really don't need to supplement um supplements or any nutritional uh needs that are chemically induced basically. And we've so. talked about it before, the magic pill mentality. Yeah, and, and so the, the three things that we have kind of limited it down to as far as supplements is, for one, creatine. 
um, for two, your BCAs. And personally, I would say definitely a, a proper multivitamin. And, mm -hmm. and that kind of goes with those those base numbers um, of And if it went with your hypothesis you too, man, I, I think that that might be something a lot of hard gainers are lacking in is the proper nutrition through a multivitamin. Sure. And and with anybody, I always suggest getting a full blood panel, you know, mm -hmm. if you're looking for deficits. And that's really, you know, before you're kind of shooting, taking the shotgun approach and just hitting something with such a broad spectrum vitamin like that, you know, sometimes you do need to get your blood tested and you might find out that, oh, it's just a vitamin D deficiency. I would say or, that was probably the most common one, vitamin D deficiency. Yeah, and it is. It's, especially <laughs> it's huge with for the, building muscle. Sure. And especially with the, the American mentality, you know, that mm -hmm. we work so much that we stay inside. I mean, me, myself, I'm inside most most of the day, you know, if maybe an hour, but I usually have hey man, some if you sort wouldn't of clothes on. Look so. like 15 clients in a row. Yeah. Busy ass. So it's, it, you kind of have to do what you, you got to do, but th that's why I do supplement large amounts of vitamin D, you know, at times. And, and I kind of know how my body feels based off of that. So it's, uh, but you look for things like dark rings under the eyes or pale skin, you know, and just if you look like a vampire, yeah, then you might be right? vitamin D deficient. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to suck your blood. <laughs> like, you know, you, you just start, need vitamin D, bro. Yeah, like, and it might be leading to an iron deficiency also. So you might kind of be like a vampire in that sense. So, And I think <laughs> I mentioned it before in a podcast, too. The, the big problem with my bulking was I was vegetarian at the time. Right. And it, look, I was over lacto, so I had some of the benefits of like eggs, which is huge. And huge. I think the cholesterol on eggs is one thing we should talk about for sure. Well, and and really going back to the supplements oh, yeah, so to is, is the BCAs, I, the the amount of actual essential amino acids and the amino, amino acid profile of an egg is extremely large, and and mm -hmm. it has almost I think almost all of your essential amino acids. So. Um, the egg is what they use for like the reference of the best protein. Sure, and and that's why there's there's egg proteins out there and mm -hmm. egg albumin proteins and just different types of, of proteins with with or egg concentrate. Eggs. Yeah, or you <laughs> can just eat eggs, and that's what I I eat actually pretty much a dozen a day is what I'm up to, especially being on the keto diet. I eat whole eggs like Jesus I'm robbing a farm. Christ, bro. Yeah, well, but it's a good con like. You know what's um, good? Trader Joe's has it for like a dollar nineteen. You can get the the natural eggs yeah, too. Yeah, no, I get that's what I do. I go, I, I basically shop around. We use uh, Fresh Market. They have oh, that's close they, to you. Yeah, they use the or they have similar deals to that, and it's a similar store too. So so twelve eggs a day can get you the beast size <laughs> chuck stack. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, the BCA content of those, you know, if you're not familiar with BCAs, uh, we've mentioned it before, but we'll mention it again. It's um, branch chain amino acids. So those are isoleucine, valine, and leucine. So leucine is actually one of the biggest ones for muscle, for we'll say protein synthesis. So that's the ability to build proteins in your body. Is that the two? Um, that is, yeah, that would be the two to two, one to one. Two to one yeah. to one. So you want leucine in a higher concentrate. So two to one to one ratio of valine, or I mean leucine to valine and isoleucine. So mm -hmm. that's the that's the profile you're looking for. I actually look for like a four to one to one, and I know some companies are even going up to an eight to one to one. So um, leucine is actually one of the biggest proven, uh, like scientifically proven amino acids. So um, that's a that's actually should be your focal point. So mm -hmm. you can even supplement that individually uh, and, and it'll be good for you. But um, some of the other supplements that we were talking about is creatine. You know, creatine, 
some people like creatine monohydrate. My opinion on it is it's not bad if it doesn't bother your stomach. And being an ectomorph, you can you can drink it with like a fruit juice or something like that, which helps the absorption with the delivery of carbohydrates. So I think this is we've not done this yet. This is a good time to talk about the old school. Um, they called it was it cycling, not creatine cycling. What was it yeah, called? Yeah, that's loading. Much, yeah, creatine loading. So that was where you basically take like fifty grams for two weeks or so, and and then. Because I still get asked that question all the time. Yeah. Like, that's old shit, man. Right. Don't do that. Yeah, and, and, and that's something that you do have to do if you are taking, like, creatine monohydrate. But nowadays with the, the creatine hydrochloride and, you know, the different esters and the different types of creatine, whether it's a serum or whether it's it's got some sort of buffer attached to it, I personally take crealkaline, which is it has a buffer attached mm -hmm. to it, and it's a patented um, formula. So you know you're getting the same exact formula, whichever brand you buy from. So that's why I use that. Um, but there are different types and pretty much anything other than monohydrates, kind of the hot hot commodity. So Yeah, and I would say too, and it's I affordable get now. Now yeah, it's, it's really affordable compared it's to It's way better than when, it used to be. When we, used to, when we started in the fitness industry, it was $30 or something I ridiculous. 50, 60 dollars for like some of the serums or some of the other stuff that had all it was is just loading creatine in a really high sugary It's because Mark McGuire syrup. was promoting it. <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah, that's how Andersteen was big too. Yeah. It was because of Mark McGuire as well. But um, but yeah, creatine has so many metabolic uh, benefits as well as it's got just a lot of different um, a, a lot of different hormonal things that can really help you as far as gaining um, muscle or increasing like IGF levels and such. So the other thing that we, we hear a lot about, and again, we, we touch base on the multivitamins. If you want to get specific on the vitamins that you're deficient in, again, a blood test is probably the best thing. It's a good thing to do like once a year, and I actually, I really want to do that soon. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like that's uh, that's huge. I, I usually do one about every other year. Um, mm -hmm. Being a little younger, we don't have to focus on it as much, but we are getting to that age where it's good. And even it, so, we're if getting to the age where we could have cancer and not know it. Yeah, well, I mean, and and talking about age ranges and kind of things to look for, um, you know, you can actually. I always recommend even people around like twenty one. When you're about 18, 21, you should, you should get a blood test just so that when you are 25, 30, the recommended ages to get a blood test, you, you have a baseline. You have mm -hmm. something to compare to and say, hey, I was having these issues before or I was not having these issues before. I am now. Let's compare numbers and see if there is a difference so that we can, you know, see what's going on and and that's what a lot of people don't realize they're like oh i'm 18 years old i don't need a blood test or i, th I'm 20 I think years you old. just led us into a really good topic age for hard gainers yeah we didn't put that down i think that's a great topic to cover right now and that is that's that's huge too i mean i've dealt with guys in their 50s that are hard gainers yep, and they have here. great results and then i have guys you tell me tell me it was 30 like years old 47 and he gained like 20 pounds 30 yeah, pounds within he's, he's still doing a really good job and everything as far as putting a muscle on and such even even with the terrible even, trainer yeah <laughs> anyways and, yeah so, uh, <laughs> so age range um i think it's important important to mention it's going to be harder for you to if you're like 16 17 18 years old you're still developing and this is I feel like I get approached by that age a lot. So interesting article I just read. They did a research, a scientific research, that people that are basically at 20 years old, you should be about one gram of protein per 
pound of mm -hmm. lean body mass. Um, by the time you're 50, you should be at about two grams. Um, so it's interesting that protein they, scaling. Yeah, protein scaling. So it, and it's based off of age ranges. So people that are a little older, that are 50 years old, they need a higher protein profile in order to absorb the right amounts and stuff. So that, that, that might, makes more sense. Yeah, it kind of does. And and we get as we age, we kind of lose the ability to not only absorb stuff, but we lose you know gut health and we lose certain things, um, enzymes even that that our bodies are great at when we're younger but is as we age we just lose those things so it is very important to to take age into consideration and well i think it's that, not the same advice for somebody that's 18 or something yeah 15. exactly and i here's what i was kind of the the way i was going to go with this is uh 16 17 18 it's harder to to put on that mask because you're still developing about 21 22 it gets a lot easier for some odd reason when well, you your, hit that your testosterone age, levels are peaking yeah you know, at about 19, 20 years old. So yep. it's, you're kind of at your prime, your hormonal prime to being able to put on muscle and, and have those growth factors. But what's weird, really weird about it is I think at about like 25 up to 30 is when you develop the most mass. Well, you know what? It's funny because I had, when I was training for bodybuilding, when I was 19, uh, actually I was 20, I was training with my buddy Mikhail and we we trained our butts off. I put on like 40 pounds in two months and a lot of it was muscle mass and it was just the type of training we were doing. It was a, the, the fact that I had a good body type also. I was eating really clean. I was supplementing all the right things. I had the guidance of him as well as some of my colleagues. And the I came to realize that it's, it's not necessarily about um, what you do. It's about the consistency. And you know, you look at a 20 year old bodybuilder opposed to like a 30-year-old bodybuilder. And that's why most bodybuilders are more successful in their 30s. It's muscle maturity. Yeah. So you've had all those years to pack on muscle and make it more and more dense. So it's like when your body, when you're younger, you haven't, your body's expanding and it's, you may be, you know, swole or you may be putting on gains or you may be putting on muscle to where you are filling out some, but the years of compounding those results, yeah. you know, really adds the density to people. And that's why, you know, 30 year old, you know, and older bodybuilders are successful is because they have years of putting on muscle. I 100% agree with that. And that's kind of where I was going. I, I think, you know, I saw some like 16, 17 year old kids in the gym today looking over at me, you know, cause I was using a lot heavier weight and they're like, I don't even know how I would do that. And I remember doing that exact same thing when I was 16 or 17 going, how did you get up to 300 pounds? <laughs> right. Like, I don't even understand. I'll never be there. But it's not true. I think it's also about the maturity of, like, your programming and just knowing what works for your body type at 30 as opposed to 15, 16 years old. Sure. And at a younger age, at, a, at being a beginner lifter, you do get away with getting you know, just non-traditional training methods, you know, and as you, as you become a veteran lifter, whether you are an ectomorph or not, you kind of have to change your methods and you have to listen to your body and, and you should be taking detailed observation, you know, journaling through the whole process so that you know what does work for you and what doesn't. Yeah. So two big things that we're going to recommend kind of that go with diet are journaling and drinking water. I think it's really important to emphasize that with creatine, it's not going to work unless you have the proper hydration. Sure. And that's that's extremely important because it, without the proper amount of water, the creatine cannot get into the muscles. It'll just basically sit on the surface and not, not be absorbed into the muscles where it needs to be doing the work. And I also had this hypothesis earlier. I think that hard gainers traditionally are more dry 
Um, I think they, if they drank more water, they would actually have more success because how your muscles work, uh, I'll let you do the detailed explanation, but basically because of hydration, the way that your muscles connect to each other when you're doing the sledding, sledding fil filament theory, um, it does not work with the without the proper amount of hydration. Yeah, and it's, it's partially to do with um, the fact that water in your body is um, an electrolyte, so it's got impurities in it so that it can conduct an, electric, an electrical signal. And that's mm -hmm. what actually fires your muscles. It's a, it's a chemical gradient that forms actual electrical gradient as well. So what that means is basically your muscles are literally firing like a spark plug mm -hmm. in order to um, connect, you know, or in order to contract. So it's... And so it could be just like how I worked on my car today. My car wasn't running very good take the, the car apart, spark plugs are completely done. I, I don't, I'm not going to describe it if you don't understand motors, but it wasn't firing all, on all cylinders by any means. Same thing with your body. you got to keep that water in there so that it is hydrated um, and everything's working properly as far as the message goes. Well, two things, especially, and, and when Parker mentioned water earlier, I felt like fiber is another great thing to in, mm -hmm. introduce with the, the water intake is because with both, without water, without fiber, the proper fiber intake, your body cannot absorb the right amount of nutrients. It can't assimilate the right nutrients and everything. So assimilation is basically beyond digestion. So digestion is your body's ability to break the food down. Assimilation is your body's ability to actually absorb the food. So send um, it where it needs to go. Yeah, and and send all those vitamins, all those amino acids, all those small parts of food that need to go to different areas in the body. So it, it is it's very important to get both water and fiber in your in your system. Okay, so then let's go into journaling. Metrics, I don't love them. But if you're somebody who's having trouble putting on muscle, you can look at how much uh, calories it takes for you to kind of develop what you're looking for. Um, you'll know there's a certain number you're going to hit that's going to be a sweet spot, and journaling is a good way to kind of get into that. Yeah, I, so with ectomorphs, I find it extremely hard to find a resting metabolic rate. And that's why I find journaling to be extremely efficient and extremely beneficial in an ectomorphs program because then they can see exactly how many calories they've been taking in through X amount of days. And say you've been taking in a set amount, let's say 2,700 calories for one week. You, you should be monitoring your, your weight at least once a week in that as well. And you can look after one week of eating 2,700 calories, oh, my weight went up or my weight went down. You know, you stick to that for a couple of weeks and you're like, oh, okay, that can be considered my maintenance phase or my resting metabolism. And that's, that's a good start to knowing where you should increase from, especially as an ectomorph. You, you, you have to know a baseline. That way you can be like, okay, so 2,700 calories is where I don't gain weight. So I need to bump it up to say 3,000, you know, and bump it up to 3,000 for a week. And now you're like, oh, okay, I put on a pound perfect you know like that's about what you want to put on you don't want to even, you kind of don't even want to put on that much um but about a half a pound a week is is about right so it's it just it's listening to your body taking fine um notes as far as objective facts that you can look back on and you can say like hey i'm putting on weight and then along with that you know if you want to get really advanced you can check your body fat so you can see if you're gaining body fat or just muscle and you can see you know what the numbers are in that sense. I think that's a good thing to mention too. You might gain some body fat if you're on this bulking diet 
and don't get um, disturbed by that. You can't. That's just... gonna be the easy part for you as <laughs> as an ectomorph. You know, losing the fat and such is is gonna be the easy part. And putting the muscle on and gaining actual size and weight is gonna be the hard part for you. Mm -hmm. So don't worry about the fat when it comes on. You will shed it fast. Um, I've had it happen before, and I got really round. Could barely see my abs. But you know what? At the end of the day, I kept like probably about 10 pounds of muscle every time I did the bulk. So Sure. Um, and that's kind of what it is, is cycling through. Yeah, so another thing that I want to touch base on, is we've spoken about carbs and such a little bit, but fats. Another thing that I recommended Parker to do that he actually does quite a bit of now is incorporating MCTs into his diet mm -hmm. and into his intake. So um, focusing on getting healthy fats is another way to kind of slow down digestion a little bit. Um, as well as uh, just make sure that you're getting those calories that you are trying so hard to get in because fat is more dense than both carbs and protein. So I think the, the way to put it is it kind of confuses your body. It utilizes the MCTs pretty quick um, and it just kind of, like you said, slows it down. And uh, it's just another, it's a really easy way to get a lot of calories in a way that does not make you feel like you're full. Right. Yeah, and that's, very calorie dense. That's that's was one of the other recommendations that Parker took really well, um, as far as for putting on size and, and mass specifically. So, um, so let's go into mass gainers. Yeah, I was. I'm not really a huge fan of hmm. most mass gainers on the market. Uh, it it is a supplement that can be beneficial for somebody if they're having an extremely hard time eating the food because. You know, let's let's be honest. Eating that volume of food can be rather challenging. When I was training for bodybuilding specifically, I actually had to incorporate a mass gainer because I was eating almost six thousand calories a day, and it was very very hard for me to pallet that amount of food. Like, and the complaint that you're gonna get, you know, when you're training a a hard gainer is that they're they're full. Yeah, and it's like, hard to work out when you're full too. Right, you feel lethargic, <laughs> you feel lazy, you feel lackadaisical, and yep. and those are the things that that do make it hard to get you know a solid workout in or such. But you stick with it for a week or two weeks, you'll really you'll notice the difference, and and that'll eventually you'll get to the point where you can just digest the the right amount of food and you're not even feeling full at all. If you're in California, especially Southern California, just get on that burrito diet. I'm telling you, it works yeah. well. Either, either that or in and out Get a couple of uh, couple burgers and the, the most delicious shake you'll ever have at in and out Okay, so a uh, little plug here. We do actually have meal plans now. So if you're somebody that wants to kind of see how we would give you a structured meal plan for hard gaining, um, what I'll do is uh, put a link in the description but it, um, on FAQFitnessPodcast.com, we have a section where you can actually get uh, meal plans, and we'll give you a free week if you hear this and you go there. So um, I'll leave a link and a code that you can put in and check it out if you want to see what we would recommend for you. Sure. And all these plans, they they are observed by us, so it's not yep. just a completely generalized program. And but... made by registered dietitians, too. So. It keeps us in our scope of practice. Yeah, and that's, that was something I was going to talk about on another podcast of ours. But it, as trainers, we do have to we do have a scope of practice, and yep. you know, us personally, we really try to stay within that. So, yep, a lot of trainers don't. Right. So, okay, so after that little plug, let's go into uh, the the thing that a lot of people also ask a lot of questions about. The training. Yeah, this is the fun stuff. This, this is, is the fun stuff we like. This is what a lot of people like to do, um, and the aspect and component of it that they really like to incorporate. 
Um, many people are kind of scared to do this, you know, yep. whether whatever goal it may be. And especially if you're a, a hard gainer because you were more of an endurance athlete, I think it's hard to change your mind on this because you've been. I feel like other endurance athletes, especially in triathlons and marathons, and your coach and track or whatever, they're like, "Oh, you should never lift heavy. You're going to get hurt." <laughs> yeah, it's like a big. You're gonna get them gains, son. That's yeah. what's gonna happen. No, you're gonna become a, a stronger climber, a stronger sprinter. You're gonna be able to have better cardio. You know, be able to drop in a race and not have ran at all and still run. Right, and you'll be able to train a lot more efficiently, also, and yep. you won't have to incorporate as many of the long, dredging runs and stuff that that a lot of or or biking or swimming you know whatever it may be in the endurance world but yep. those those things do get kind of difficult and strength training can be a, a way of making your training efficient how it applies to an ectomorph or, or a hard gainer is you really should be focusing on a lower rep range so we're i'm going to say between two and eight is yeah. kind of like a good range but you mostly want to stay in that kind of six to eight rep range um, and yeah, I would say if you're making the transition from more of a volume training thing, do the six to eight, but don't be afraid to drop down into that lower. Like I'm doing two and three reps right now, um, and it feels amazing. My body actually feels better doing less of the volume training. Now, keep in mind, I'm getting, I'm keeping my volume up there, but I just, I, I think that there's a lot of benefit to doing that heavier lifting, and a lot of people don't ever get it. Oh yeah, there is. There's definitely hormonal benefits, and there's also you know just strength gains and. Um, you know, just muscle gains that you get out of that. The thing about it is that... I wonder it, how many times we've said gains in this podcast. Right? Gains, gains, gains. Um, Probably a hundred. Sure. Well, and uh, it's that's what we're talk, talking about. I mean, most of the times with, with ectomorphs, it, gains are the problem. And that's, that's what we get the most common questions about. So lifting heavy, making sure that your rest intervals are a little longer. You, you want to make sure that it, as you're lifting heavier, you're giving yourself adequate rest so that you can continue to lift the, that low number of reps. I think that's probably, that's so huge because typically what happens, and you see this a lot, the hard gainers are the ones that can usually have endurance. I think this is a complete, total generalization, but I, I do think it's true. Um, they're the ones that are like supersetting. And they're like, I can't figure out why I can't, I can't make myself grow and I'm like this because you never stop you're dude doing cardio. you're yeah. doing you're doing cardio lifting right now you don't stop you don't recover you don't lift heavy ever and I think that's because most people do what they're good at yes and most, exactly and most ectomorphs do tend to be good at cardio so they're like it, I can do a thousand burpees and you're like yes but can you lift <laughs> right. at all but do you lift bro? <laughs> yeah like let's do go to the lift. do you even lift CrossFit, go back to the beginning. Yeah. So the bro science. You're not Arnold, go back to the beginning. Yeah, so we figured out that it all comes back to do you even lift. Yeah. But no, in all seriousness, the strength training, the compound movements, and that's the thing. When we're talking about strength training, when we're talking about lifting heavy, we're not talking about doing bicep curls heavy. I mean, that should be introduced into your training more, Later. more for lagging body parts. And yeah, that's we're gonna what we're going to get to next. But the th you should be sticking to compound movements, your squats, your deadlifts, your bench press, your shoulder press, your pull-ups, you know, stuff that's moving more than one muscle group. That way, you're kind of getting the best out of each exercise. And, you're, and those, those are also very anabolic lifts, too. That is exactly what I was going to say. Yep. That, that 
fact that you're using a large amount of your body mass at one time, it really stimulates your growth hormones and it really stimulates muscle growth. And I want to say this too, and I want to reiterate this heavy. You have to lift legs. You cannot get away with only lifting upper body. I see so many programs for hard gainers where they do not touch legs because they have small legs and they're like, I'm good, I don't really want to. Or they have big legs and like, I'm good and I really don't want to. Yeah, and, and most, so talking about the volume even in, in that, uh, most most people that are ectomorphs do have to have a larger volume. You know, sometimes they have to train a muscle group two, three times a week, but uh, it just depends on, on what you actually do. So uh, for the most part, just stick to your stick to your compound lifts. Go heavy. You know, don't be scared to. And, and just lift with proper form. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people, again, no matter what their goal is, they they push themselves beyond good form and yeah. it really limits the muscles that you're using and you use the muscles that are kind of strongest in your body because they're going to be the ones that jump in if you're breaking form. Yeah, I would say this. Lift heavy, but lift with good form. If you don't know how to do the form for a lift, grab a buddy that does. If if that doesn't work, grab a trainer and help them Like get, get on a small program maybe you're doing like once a week where they're teaching you lifts. That would benefit you so much more than an injury. Yeah, I, and and if you're injured, you're not lifting, you're not making, you're not making gains. Injured <laughs> means the gain train stops. Yep. So talking about those lagging body parts and those isolated movements, the bicep curls, the tricep extensions, the lateral raises, you know, those are great for lagging body parts and bringing up things that you might need to work on. In Parker's case, what would you say is your hardest thing that you had to do that with? Do you know, well, well, besides legs, because we all know that I can lift a lot, but they just don't grow. Um, what do you think it was? I know you know what it is. I, that's what I was asking, because the listeners don't know what it is, though, man. Um, so I would say mine was my back. I would say it really? was, I was, what would you say? I, I was, well, I, go ahead. I was just. You say I, arms? I have always thought you had a pretty good back because of your swimming background and stuff. But well, I was going to say arms just okay. because of the fact that you have a, a longer arm. Dude, I have a profile. six four wingspan. I'm only six foot. Yeah, so, so I got screwed on that. That's a and, and Mikey's in the same boat in yep. that regard. He's got long long arms genetically. I unfortunately have T Rex syndrome and <laughs> you got, got the little arms. arms. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I'll say this, you're going to probably have a similar body type to me if you're a hard gainer and if you have longer extremities that are, um, I guess, small, spaghetti arm syndrome, that's what I would call it, um, you just got to be, it's frequency, man. You know, I like I said, I can curl 80-pound dumbbells, no prob, but my biceps still don't look very big. Yeah, well, like I said, it, a lot of ectomorphs have to train the same body parts or lagging mm -hmm. body parts two to three times a week. And that's a great point. We That was one of the first things I thought of was lagging body parts because it's probably the most common question I get with hard gainers. Like, I can't get my chest to develop. A lot of it's genetic, um, but I would say a lot of it's frequency, too. With chest, it, there's so many angles that you can hit. Biceps, you're, like, limited to just a few things that you can really do that are effective. I think a lot of people are like, I'm going to work the top of my bicep, I'm going to work the bottom of my bicep. It's really not possible. Um, you might feel it there, but it's really just changing how the other muscles are involved in the lift. I kind of disagree with that. I don't. I've looked into it. Yeah, no, well, and that, but the, I agree in the sense that the science it, it isn't supporting of it. And that's kind of that whole um, length tension relationship uh, where if you're doing an exercise, you're kind of only, you're either activating the muscle or you're not. 
And I agree with that in a sense, but I do feel like you can apply more tension on one end or another end of the tendons. And I feel like that's where muscle development comes from in a specific area of the muscle. You know, we might be able to ask somebody that, that does this a lot, like Jacob, Dr. Jacob Wilson, you know, he does a lot of research in that sense. And he's has that scientific mind where he's constantly paying attention to observation. But, but I, I would go with like this, the sliding filament theory and the all or nothing. It just it really wouldn't make sense for it to to grab in that we could go all day on this, yeah, this is very science we'll there's, look into there's it more. not there's not much evidence behind it and that's yeah. what I agree completely with Parker is that there's not much but uh, I look at it like abs you know mm -hmm. you can you can focus on it on activating and developing more your lower abs or your obliques or your you know erectus abdominis you know abs and, is such a funny one too but yeah that's it but that's the that's the common example on that on those theories but mm -hmm. it's also kind of like the hardest to like believe yeah you know what i'm saying like it's just you you look at like a hanging leg lift opposed to like a plank you know you're not using your lower abs the same in mm -hmm. either one you know with the hanging leg lift you're using a lot of lower abs yep you know so it, it that's that's where i go from that i mean we're talking about multiple muscle groups being synergist in that case but and yeah, and that's, that's what I was going with synergists too. You really, when you're changing what you're doing with your biceps, you're eliminating muscles or adding in other muscles, and that's how you feel differently. And the style of the response is different. Because I don't want to lose my train of thought on that specific topic. Here we go. Let's let's look at it like this. So when you're doing a pull up, your arms above your head, mm -hmm. so the top end of your bicep is shortened and the bottom end is stretched. Yep. Whereas if you're in an inclined bicep curl, it's vice versa. The top end of the bicep is stretched. Actually, both ends are, it's in, it's in its longest position. Mm -hmm. So that's where I kind of look at it too, is that when your arm's down in that inclined curl position, I feel like, yes, you feel it at the, the more distal area of your bicep, the further part from your shoulder, but is it working more or less? I don't know. I do yeah. think it's mostly genetic, but I, I think yeah, your muscle shaping. If you're if you're having lagging body parts, that does not mean that you can't make those body parts bigger by doing stuff. Um, but we do think it has a lot to do with genetics. Yeah, it's a lot with genetics and frequency is is the other big thing. I yeah. mean, you you look at somebody that does nothing but upper body, their upper body develops. You know, their lower body doesn't. So and I wear skinny jeans. I'm not going to get shit for that. But, um, <laughs> when it's cold because we're in Florida I don't wear jeans at all but uh you know I can always feel a difference if I'm working a lot of legs man my legs are not going to fit in my jeans I've had to get rid of some jeans yeah all right we're uh we're to volume now yeah I think I think we've kind of touched base on volume a little bit and maybe and frequency with a little increasing bit too. the frequency you increase the volume so um Let's, let's um, kind of make it easier for people to understand volume because if this is their first time listening, they probably don't know what it is. Sure. So so volume is basically the amount of work that you're doing, not necessarily the intensity. Um, and usually as, increase, as volume increases, the intensity decreases. So, so you're um, looking at your reps, your sets, and overall how much you've done, and also your weight, and overall how much you've done together that makes your volume. Sure, and and that's gonna be different for everybody, uh, mm -hmm. for the most part. I like to start off nice and basic with most of my clients, and I kind of do uh, one to two exercises per muscle group, and usually about two sets of each muscle group. Uh, so starting with two sets, and then I start with the higher rep ranges just to see and and 
like see how their body's going to respond. That's exactly what I do. That way, if they come in the next time and they're like, oh my God, I was crushed. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm like, okay, well, we didn't do that much work, but the good news is that's your starting point. You know, like we'll increase a lot from there. If they're like, man, that was a foofy workout, you know, like I'd be like, all right, cool. I got you. You know, yeah, like, it's, you know, it's so funny. That, that's exactly how I am too. It's like, it's you never, there's two things that a guy does not want to hear. That's a personal trainer. Number one, you're small. Fuck you. That's, that's like, I want to be your size. Cause it's not too big. Fuck you. Okay. Then the other one is, uh, that workout wasn't very hard. And you're like, I'm going to, I got you. Yeah, and, and I'll get you so hard next time. My workouts tend to look like they're not very hard, but they, they like are. crush you down because it's a lot of movement pattern based and and a lot of uh, focusing on weaknesses, so to speak. So mm-hmm. mine's the same way. Yeah, it, and, and that's why we agree on most everything. Sure, and and it's kind of we through our careers have bounced a lot of stuff that we've been doing with each other. So I feel like we've kind of like blended into a little bit of the same trainer in essence, you know, like we still, because of our backgrounds have strengths and weaknesses, you know, in our own regard. But at the same time, I feel like we have seen eye to eye more, Mm -hmm. more times than not. I needed to mature a lot too. You know, I I came into it a lot differently well, and we t- a different time. Yeah, well, we took a, a much different approach. So, talking about Parker and I's background, he went the education side first and got which his, does nothing for you. Got by his way. degree, <laughs> and I came right out of high school and started personal training. So it was it was a different approach. Do you, but you know, you know what's funny about this though? I trained in college for like when I was nineteen is when the, the first time I ever trained, right? And you called me when you were going to your personal training thing. And you asked me about it. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. I, I was driving down south. Yeah. I was going to a, a seminar, actually the NASM seminar yep. for the, the personal training cert. It's so weird. I, <laughs> I remember that like plain as day. Yeah, and it was funny. I mean, I, I again, it was, it was a much different approach to the same end goal, but... Um, you know, looking back on it, I don't, I don't know if either one of us have regrets, but it was just, no. we realized that it, it, it it's kind of interesting because we both took the same long-term goal and took different ways to get there. So, yep. And we're pretty much, we're in a very similar place, probably going to be doing some sort of something together soon as far as gyms go. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's one little addition to this and I'm sorry we went on a little tangent there. I wanted to cover this. We have not done this yet on a podcast, and we're not going to cover it in depth. I promise we'll come back and cover it. I also just got this question on Friday. Steroids. I mean, it's, it's going to be the first thing that a lot of these kids ask. And it's kids always. It's never somebody that's the right age. <laughs> yeah. let's, not, let's not like open the can of worms too much, because we're going to talk about it with somebody that's probably done it. Sure. But let's let's go ahead and cover the a little bit about it and how we feel. So Parker and I have both been natural athletes our whole careers, and this is a sensitive subject for both of us. But it for is, everyone, it, it's very common. And um, I myself have tried to become well diverse and well educated in that sense because I would like to, if somebody approaches me, to be able to give them advice on being safe. And, and that's more so my direction on it. I never endorse it, but I will always 
try to help somebody be safe. You know, exactly. like I'll, I'll always try to look out for somebody's health. I'll tell them the side effects. I'll tell them the harmful things about whatever they're looking to get into. Um, and then it, they can make the decision, you know, and I'm, I will never stick anybody with a needle for one. Me and, neither. and for two, you've been asked before, huh? I have. And, and I will never, at the same time, I will never sit there and say like, you need to take this or, you know, it's not my position. It's outside of my scope of practice once again. And if somebody does, we're have, not a doctor. No, if somebody does have, you know, if they think that their testosterone levels are low or that there might be an issue, a simple blood panel test can, can be really beneficial, not only to tell you if you should be doing some sort of hormone therapy, but also if your, if your test levels are even worrisome you know like if, mm -hmm. if you're an 18 19 year old kid most likely they're going to be through the roof already and you're going to do a lot more damage than you are good okay so that into your routine i would say this too steroids are illegal unless yeah. they're prescribed by a doctor sure um so that'd be hormone therapy um so you're looking into something that's illegal and being the devil's ad advocate on that it's something that could definitely kill you metabolically as far not kill you as in Kill, kill, so kill you. Let's, but. let's talk about this because we're at the age now that looking back on a lot of the people that we went to school with and we know that, we know. They, that they took mm -hmm. steroids and such or they were open enough to tell us that they were taking it and seeing, you know, where they are or the fact that they're obese or the fact that they're having, you know, hormonal issues or they're bald or they have heart high, issues. High or, blood pressure. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's amazing at, at how much damage it can do, you know, if, especially if it's introduced at the wrong time and even hormone therapy has its high risks as well. You know, yep. you're not completely out of the, out of the danger zone yet, you know, so. And, and, and they've banned designer steroids, right? I think hormones are banned, pro hormones are banned. Kind of. But there's also, so there's this the new, resurgence of SARMs now. Yeah, so the, the thing is... is They're that, selling them at, like, supplement companies. Yeah, and the thing is, is that in the supplement industry, so what the supplement industry does is if one thing gets banned, they make a new product that is one molecule off, and now it's not banned anymore. It doesn't. But I think there's a mass ban the, on pro-hormones in general. Like, they're like, no designer steroids anymore. It happened, like, last year. They've been going back and forth on it <coughs> since, I think, the controlled substance act of 2001 i think is the the, mm -hmm. the um logistics the political um write-up of it so i'm not really sure i'll have to look into that but regardless it's it's horrible for your body you know yeah. especially if you're a young athlete like you're doing more harm than you are good and even if okay so what's the recommended if you were to go about this route and somebody were asking us and they were a certain age we would say no yeah. up until about I would say 35 I mean 35 is kind of like so basically your body crashes as far as producing t testosterone from like 30 to 35 from that point it kind of like dwindles down and it mm -hmm. goes like a smaller rate but from basically 25 to 35 your hormone levels drop significantly that's for the average person though if you like we we're talking about with being you know more anabolic with your lifts and eating the right foods and being healthy, you can prevent this and totally, you know, most likely if you're, if you're a healthy adult, older adult, you'll be fine. Yeah. I was actually about to, I was going to make a long tangent to, or not a long tangent, but a long story to tell the same thing, but it can That's be addressed. What you like to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, it can be addressed through proper lifting techniques and, and even, you know, adding 
possibly some some herbal supplements as well. Yeah. You know, like sometimes those can be have been scientifically proven. The aspartic acid has at least some proven. I mean, I don't know. It's it's not like something I would write home about, but it's it's got some proven science behind it. Sure, and even like tribulus, tribulus is another too. One that, yeah. That's a, a herbal supplement. That but those are. <laughs> what about deer antler spray? We've never talked about that in our rants. We should have. Yeah. Well, and I mean. It's it's another one that actually has some scientific backing behind it. Um, and but usually the ones on the market are just bullshit. Right. I mean, and and that's the thing in the supplement industry, you you never know the quality of what mm -hmm. you're actually taking unless you know that the the place you're getting it from is um, certified in some sort of way uh, for the cleanliness or the the pro quality of product. But I don't know. I I always steer away from that stuff even even naturally i mean my hormone levels have crashed i'll, I'll admit that and, and it's from gaining weight you know losing weight i've always been kind of a yo-yo dieter mm -hmm. myself and um that that actually has quite a bit of metabolic damage and a lot of times that can be what contributes to the testosterone um or deficiencies or anything like that and i definitely have no problems with my hormones right now they're no, <laughs> so it, it, bad but, but and that's the beautiful thing is that i at this point i have no no issues you know mm -hmm. like i the last time i had my blood checked everything was good i mean it was just i i felt guilty to believing the industry you know yeah and and and, and following techniques that weren't right you know like they worked but they weren't proper you know and it's like going on an extremely deficit diet or cutting carbs out entirely without introducing fats and yeah i mean it, it was all those things that really hindered my results as a youth but now as an older athlete i'm i'm becoming a better athlete and i'm becoming much more healthy i feel 10 times better mm -hmm. at at 30 and than you're just I did telling me that 18. yeah you're telling me that today with the the whole keto thing it's just been working really well for you yeah and and that's <clears throat> i mean so that's a, a perfect example when i was 19 years old i cut carbs out to get lean i did it i had issues because of it I'm 30 now. I did the same exact technique, but I introduced fats. I started doing keto, which is actual proper protocol, type of yeah. proper protocols for that type of diet, and I feel great. Mm -hmm. My hormone levels are awesome. My body fat is dropping. You know, like I'm getting all the things that I wanted. So, it's just it's it's about knowing what's going to be effective for you at what time. And so that's that's what we're going to write home about here. Um, at the end of the day. Just be more educated about it. Go through this in a systematic approach. You can't just throw, you know, a ton of volume at your training. You can't just, you know, eat everything that you see. You kind of have to figure out what works for your body. Um, and at the end of the day, I think our, our recommendation on steroid use is that, you know, I mean, it's a temporary gain. Um, it's illegal. There, you don't know what you're getting. It's expensive. It's expensive. <laughs> and if you just stay natural and work your ass off, I promise you that you'll get some gains. I'm one of those people that you can look at and see that I put on the muscle. It's taken like three years probably. Sure. But, you know, it's been a great journey. I've learned a lot along the way. So don't look for the quick fix. Don't do the magic pill. Don't do something illegal. Just just fucking do it. Right. Yeah, just, I mean, quit being a sissy. We yeah. talk about that in one of our podcasts too. Yeah. You know, just nose to the grindstone and get it done. Don't be puss in boots. So the be one, the, the one thing that we did want to touch base on, and the la this will probably be the last note of this this podcast. But people ask us all the time the amount of cardio they should be doing, and we talked about how ectomorphs are typically good at cardio because not only are they kind of lean, so they're efficient in that sense, but they normally have a body type that's a little bit 
slender. You know, it's it's a little taller, a little bit longer mm -hmm. build. So you're like a gazelle. Yeah. So they tend to, they, they tend to be a little bit better at cardio and tend to do more cardio because of that. We're not telling you to cut the cardio out entirely because it is a part of that engine. You know, that whole body mechanics that we're, we've mentioned before the kinetic chain, but you do want to cut back on your cardio because if you're doing an obscene amount of cardio and you're lifting heavy, I mean, you're just, you're doing too much volume, you know, and that's where CNS we're talking fatigue about. fatigue would be huge too. Yeah. And if you're seeing, if your central nervous system is, is kind of misfiring or not all the way there and you're lower on energy all the time, your workouts are going to suffer. Your Cortisol sleep. will lower your testosterone most likely too, right? Yeah. Well, it's going to, keep you it's going to inhibit you a little yeah. bit more from from gaining muscle and overall your quality of feeling uh, quality of life so i'm tried and true on this one and i I'd, I'd say i was you know a huge cardio athlete you got to cut back on the cardio if you like it and it's something that you love to do like you like to go run say do it once or twice a week and make sure it's it's not as intense as what you did before the other thing that will help you be more anabolic is do sprinting sprinting is very very anabolic and it helps you with your gains, whereas yeah, long distance does not. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think those are all the things that we really wanted to touch base on our first podcast about hard gaining. And we'll have more for sure. Yeah, this is going to be um, a topic that we'll revisit for sure. Kyle, Kyle's coming on. Uh, yeah, I think this week actually, and uh, he's a hard gainer, somebody I've worked with. Cool. Um, he's going to talk about training on tour because he's a signed musician. So nice. Well, that's awesome too. I mean, we love talking to people about travel and fitness because. That's such a that's a new world, thing. man. Yeah, well, it, we live in a, such a busy world that we're all over the place. So, yep. you know, even if you're traveling within your own town or whatever, or if you're traveling internationally, <laughs> if, you're like, if you're like me and you travel an hour to or commute an hour to work. Yeah, and, I mean, and that's a, I do the same thing for for school and everything. So we have to juggle that aspect also. But it it's to what degree do you travel? is very similar you know on many different levels so. yep we'll get into that um all right that's our uh, our podcast on hard gainers if you have any questions feel free to hit us up also don't forget if you want that meal plan send us a message on faqfitnesspodcast.com adios peace out thank you for listening to faq fitness podcast if you liked our show, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. For more workout programs, video resources, and to ask your fitness questions, check out our website at faqfitnesspodcast.com.